welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Silcox. In this week's edition of Insight, we don our favorite beret and say, Viva la Revolution. I really hated the French Revolution, but now that it's over, I feel much less miserable. As an election looms, the ICA sits on a merry-go-round with a list of demands for the New South Wales government. They're going to start a revolution. One of our journalists has been at home reading all 267 pages of the Quality of Advice review. It's a quality of life that they're revolting for. And when I asked for personal advice from an insurer's call center, I didn't get what I was expecting. I asked for something Cuban. They gave me a Che Guevara t-shirt. Clothes, but no cigar. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm joined by senior journalist Benice Han, deputy editor Wendy Pugh, editor John Deeks, and chairman Terry McMullen. Hello, Wendy. Good morning, Andrew. Is Terry revolting? I couldn't say that, no. <laughs> G'day, Terry. Good morning, and thank you, Wendy. Are you revolting? We've got we've got quite an uh, interesting number of articles today. Uh, revolutionary rather than revolting. <laughs> Excellent. And hello, John. Hi. Are you feeling guillotine making Benice read the quality of a vice review? No, I, I think she enjoyed it. Good morning, Benice. Morning, Andrew. 267 pages. It's like war and peace. Ah, uh, I think it's better than war and peace. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we like to hear. All right. So, John, it's election time again, and the Insurance Council has published a list of demands, a manifesto, if you will. Uh, can you take us through them? So, New South Wales, there's a state election on March the 25th. And much as it did prior to the federal election last year, the Insurance Council has published a detailed document with a list of policy recommendations, as they call it. I think we've said demands. I mean, uh, they do say the, the next New South Wales government must do this, must do that. So I think demands is fair enough. But yeah, there, there's there's nine of them. The the headline demand is uh, related to the emergency services levy, which as uh, most listeners will know in New South Wales, the fire service is funded through a levy on insurance premiums is not the case in pretty much every other state and territory. Victoria got rid of its uh, similar levy in 2013. Uh, So the Insurance Council says that this levy adds uh, about 18% to the cost of home premiums and up to 40% to the cost of business premiums. And at a time where we're trying to get the affordability of insurance improved, this is really not helping and the levy needs to go. They need to find a fairer way, the ICA says, to fund emergency services. And they want to see this taken up by the next government as a priority. Now, there are lots of other demands. They relate to some of the usual things that we'd expect, like land use planning, no more building on floodplains, that kind of thing investment in resilience. Um, The ICA wants to see the state government take up the federal government's offer of a billion dollars over five years on mitigation projects across the country and building standards. They want to see building standards improve to construct and design stronger homes. There are other things around uh, data taught reform, electric vehicles, written off vehicles, unfair insurance requirements and government contracts that cause issues in the professional indemnity market. You can read all about it on our website in our analysis. And there's also a link to the ICA's election document in full. The emergency services levy. Terry, how do you rate their chances of finally getting rid of it? Well, I think they're going about it the right way, you know, sort of making it top of their of their list of demands. Remembering how Gladys 
Berejiklian and pulled the plug at the, the last minute in 2017, I guess we shouldn't count our chickens, but this is going to be a political rather than an economic or statesmanlike decision. Dominic Perrottet is looking for positive things to hold up in the face of a confused electorate, and so is Chris Minns. Um, look, New South Wales is the last state to impose this crazy ESL in this form. It's neither efficient nor fair. Victoria dropped its fire services levy after the the Black Saturday bushfires. Um, And what was that, 2009? But, you know, it took a royal commission to to shift them. Um, I've written dozens of articles on this subject, and in the end, I always remember Paul Keating's advice to never get in between a state government and a barrel of money. So really, yeah, I I hope we can, but these are difficult economic times and governments will be reluctant to to move. Let's see. Let's wait and see. Well, Benice, the long-awaited Quality of Advice Review final report has been published. You read all 267 pages on my behalf. What are the digestible highlights? There are a few. So for the general insurance industry, the key areas to note relate to of course, the uh, exemptions to the ban on conflicted remuneration and calls for a new definition of personal advice. Let's start with the exemptions. So um, the reviewer, Michelle Levy, says that um, she wants the exemptions to remain. So basically, this means broken commissions get get to stay, but on the condition that clients must give must first give their consent in writing. And moving on to personal advice, um, she's of the view that the definition should be broadened. So basically all types of financial product advice would be classified as personal. Her explanation is that such a change would means would mean that when a consumer um you know get a quote or for an insurance uh, product, uh, that clients' personal needs and circumstances are taken into account. So um she thinks that the current arrangement is just not working for consumers, especially for the majority of uh consumers who go directly to an insurer, whether it's getting an online quote or over the phone to buy home motor insurance. Um, she specifically explained the, uh, listed the example of home insurance. We usually get told that it's only general advice that we're getting. So does the, does the consumer know what it means? So she thinks not. So she thinks that her proposal is most likely to make a difference for people who use a direct uh, channel. Uh, so that's the key takeaways for the general insurance industry, I think. Do you think insurers can give personal advice to everyone who rings their call centre, John? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would be nice. And I mean, take the home insurance example. When you ring up and you're arranging your home insurance and it comes to the sum insured, the person on the other end of the phone cannot give you any advice, recommendations about what you should set that figure at. Um and that can be frustrating to the consumer and, and, and um, you know, puts all the all the responsibility on the consumer to to make sure they're not underinsured. Insurers do have online calculators and this kind of thing, but there's always fairly chunky disclaimers that go along with those. So, yeah, it would be great. I think the, the thing that concerns me about it is how much would it cost? I mean, if you've everyone who answers the phone has got to be qualified to give personal advice and take the time and, and and attention to sort of consider everyone's personal circumstances, then you know that surely would make the whole process more convoluted and more expensive. 
and if it is more expensive, does that just then get added on to the cost of premiums, which uh, is obviously not ideal at this time when premiums are going up and people are struggling to afford them. So, yeah, we'll have to see how Michelle Levy's uh, recommendations are taken up by the government. There's going to, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Very much sitting on the fence there. Thanks, John. (laughs) Benice, what's the industry reaction been like and what happens next? Okay, uh, we'll start with what happens next. So the government intends to consult widely on the report first before taking it to cabinet. Um, So Treasury has not yet provided details about the consultation yet. And with the industry, her report has gone down pretty well with them. Uh, But with consumer groups like Choice, not so much. So um, we spoke with uh, Phil Cohen, the CEO of Nibar. Uh, He told us that he's impressed with the report from a general insurance and broker perspective. He says the report has an understanding of the industry and um, what brokers do. And he's basically supportive of her proposal to expand the uh, definition of uh, personal advice. He thinks that it would benefit consumers and that it's only reasonable that a client knows that their personal circumstances have been taken into account when they you know um, buy an insurance product yeah choice has said that her proposals would basically mean we can expect another royal commission if the government um does decide to take it up so we just have to wait and see uh what what comes out of the consultation yeah well, Wendy, our two biggest insurers have now reported their half-year results. How are they tracking? Both Suncorp and IAG have reported. Um, and, um, you know, they're both actually really racing to put up premiums to catch up with rising costs because of the way inflation um, accelerated last year and also in property with natural peril and reinsurance costs going up. And they also, they've both spoken about uh, on the motor side about how parts and labour shortages and supply chain delays have increased costs there and repairs have taken longer. Uh, so people have rental cars for longer and, and the costs go up again. So, you know, um, IAG's Nick Corkin said this week it's been a bit of a perfect storm uh, and the mar- company's margins have taken a bit of a hit. Looking at the uh, current half, you know, IAG had, had previously downgraded its full-year margin guidance with that company more going to be more affected than Suncorp, it looks like, by the uh, the Auckland floods that, um, that we had a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, you know, both IAG and Suncorp have highlighted that despite these rising prices, the customer retention rates have been strong and the, the natural disasters do highly, highlight the importance of insurance. Well, it sounds like Personal Lines customers have a bit of a premium payment still to come, Terry. Yeah, it's pretty depressing, isn't it? Uh, Personal Lines customers face some, some very steep premium rises, up to, as Wendy said, up to another 10%. But the major insurers do need to impose these premiums that really they're just reflecting the reality. They're big companies and they have to keep their heads well above water by law. The, the products are more expensive because the claims levels are too. And in the face of all that, there's I'm, I'm pleased to see that, that both CEOs have, have really talked a lot about uh, high retention rates, which means customers still aren't looking around at the smaller players. The price is the price, and the buyer ain't necessarily going to find better prospects down in the the niche motor operations either. So, you know, this just has to happen. It's it's bad and it's hurtful, and it will 
probably give us a, a fair bit of adverse publicity. But as I said, it's the reality. Well, Cyclone Gabrielle has given New Zealand another soaking, Bernice. What's the latest there? Yes, uh, not too good. Uh, not not looking too good at the moment. So this morning at eight forty three a.m. New Zealand time, um, the government declared a national state of emergency. So this is only the third time that such a declaration has been made. The first was after twenty eleven Christchurch quakes, and the second was the uh, COVID pandemic. So this gives us this gives us an indication of just how serious or dangerous it is out there. Um, reports are already coming out about the scale of the damage. So we've got extensive flooding, landslides, and damage to roads and infrastructure. Um, floodwaters also rose, impacting homes and buildings. Uh, landslides around uh, Auckland's uh, west coast too. Um, homes have been swept and roads cut off. So uh, there's also evacuation going on uh, as we speak right now. So we don't yet have an estimate of the cost of damage yet. Um, the Insurance Council of New Zealand may have something later this week. So um, And as for the outlook, weather outlook, so uh, more rain and high winds are expected today. So um, we just have to wait and see what, get a figure maybe from the ICNZ later this week. John, you had a chat to uh, ICNZ about flood cover over there. Uh, it's quite different, isn't it? Yes, that's right. I had a good chat to Tim Grafton, the CEO at uh, the Insurance Council of New Zealand. This was before the cyclone uh, rolled in, um, I should point out. But yeah, I was just wondering, with the Auckland floods of a couple of weeks ago being far and away the most severe weather event that uh, they've had in that country in terms of insured losses, and of course not including earthquakes, I was just wondering you know, where the debate was going to go on, on flood insurance. As you say, it is different over there. The, the policies all include flood as a matter of course. In fact, they kind of include all hazards and they don't seem to price flood in the same way that insurers do in Australia. So Mr. Grafton was saying they don't have those examples of places like Lismore where insurance is extortionate, um, you know, 30,000 a year or whatever to cut to cover your flood risk. That just doesn't seem to happen in New Zealand at the moment. They don't do it that way. Um, the question, of course, is what happens in the future now that we're getting these massive flood events. And Mr. Grafton says that the the really important thing is building resilience. They are also having an, an election this year, and um, Mr. Grafton hopes that these floods will spark some serious debate about the resilience of the country, because as was shown in Auckland a couple of weeks ago, the infrastructure just isn't up to the job. The storm drains were completely overloaded and couldn't cope with the, the level of water that was coming down. In essence, he's saying if we do nothing, then yes, flood will become a problem and insurers may start to behave more in the way that they do in Australia. Um, but doing nothing is not an option. We have to build that resilience, not just because of insurance and to keep insurance affordable, but because it, it will save lives. You know, people people were killed in those floods. People will become sick from all the sewerage and, and contaminants going through homes. Uh, so that is really the reason to do it. The, the, the benefit to insurance is obviously um, helpful too. Uh, he's very, very critical of flood pools. He doesn't want to see those debates happening. You know, uh, uh, the government last year was toying with the idea of uh, a, a pool like Floodry in, in the UK. And Mr. Grafton says that is just completely inappropriate for New Zealand and would be uh, basically a sledgehammer to crack a nut. Um, 
So yes, it will be an interesting one to watch as New Zealand comes to terms with these major flood events that it's having. Um, but yeah, as Mr. Grafton says, they don't necessarily want to copy what's going on in other countries. I always love the way the Kiwis carry on as though the major insurers in, Aust- in New Zealand aren't from Australia. Uh, New Zealand will have to fall into line with with flood insurance. Their system is just so expensive and really, I think, quite unreal. Sorry, had to say that. Well, I'm sure all our uh, New Zealand listeners or listener will uh, respond accordingly. Well, finally, Terry, the February-March edition of Insurance News magazine is about to drop. What can readers expect in this edition? Well, I think the the, the word of the day is realities. Um, that includes for New Zealand floods. But realities are being forced upon us. And really, this this edition of the magazine, the, the first of the year, contains some, some really good insights into where the market's at and where it's going. Um, we've surveyed insurance and insurers and brokers about the present market and allowed them to make comments anonymously for the first time so we could get over some CEO's reluctance to speak out. For brokers, there's no such thing as a fear of speaking out. Uh, It was an opportunity to get some frustrations about cost availability and insurer services off their chests. Look, I I don't, as a rule, like anonymous content uh, comments, but uh, but I really can't see any other way we could get the sort of insights that we've obtained. Anyway, moving on. Our Wendy has been talking to reinsurance leaders here and abroad to get a handle on what's happening and why, and she's got some very clear views on how rising reinsurance rates are impacting on costs and availability in this market. There's lots more, of course, including a a very insightful interview with the chairman of Lloyd's. Uh, We've looked at mental health claims going through the the roof. Good one there, Bernice. And we've reviewed all the, the global catastrophes of the year. And because it's flavour of the month with, with what that old journalist Auburn War called the chattering, we've also dug deep to find out if the cyclone reinsurance pool could be a model for all of Australia's catastrophes. Watch the government dodge that one. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of coverage of JLT's big win over a class action, and really we do need to understand what happened there. And there's also uh, some, some really interesting insights into the incomprehensible mess that's called strata insurance plus a whole lot more andrew the magazine's at the printer now and it'll also be available online and thanks to your team for the redesign of the online version of the magazine it's going to give us a a lot more room for innovation going forward well that brings us to the end of this week's insight podcast by insurance news thank you once again to our panel john deeks benice han Wendy Pugh and Terry McMullen. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Inside Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, on all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.